Good morning. How are you? I've missed you guys. Good morning, everyone online. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so glad to see all your faces, and I'm so glad we get to gather here. We get to gather together. That's pretty awesome, especially right now. So I'm really excited to be back. Our family's healthy. Everybody's good. So we were out because we had someone with COVID. So yeah, we're super grateful. God was good. It was a good time to spend with him. Kind of lonely. So I'm really, you know, I'm hugging y'all from here. So I'm excited to see you. So let's stand up and welcome Jesus into this place this morning together, and then we'll start to worship him. So would you pray with me, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. Father, thank you for bringing us together. Whether we're sitting at home or we're here in this room, Lord, we are honored to be able to worship you and to come into your presence and to freely proclaim you our Savior. Lord, I pray that everything that is said and, and sung and um, just the looks that we give each other as we leave, I just pray that it will all honor and glorify you, Lord. I pray that you will be pleased with our offering of praise this morning. Father, we love you so much. I pray that you will move in this place today. Your spirit is welcome here, so come in here and come be with us, Jesus. We love you, and we give you this whole day, Lord. Take us and use us and change us. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Good morning. I wanted to read you this scripture because I loved it. I sat and read this last night, and it just was so encouraging. Paul was praying, and he said, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. And then he goes on and he says, This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. How awesome is that? He's so powerful. Do you recognize that today, that he's our Savior? So let's, let's worship together this morning.
news. He loves you. You know that? Wait a second. Let me put this out. Do you know that he loves you? Yeah, there. <laughs> now I can hear you better. That's awesome. Thank you, Lord.
Come with me in the space between all the things I see and this reckoning. I know I can never be alone. I know I will never be alone. There'll be another in the fire standing next to me.
I wanted to tell you guys this. I want you to picture your name in here. It's, it's from Ephesians 1 and 2. It tells us who we are in Christ, which is super special to know. You need to know that. He tells us or this uh, statement that was um, actually, I pulled it out of the movie Overcomer. Has anybody seen that? you seen that movie? So, so good. You really should see it. But this girl comes to know Christ, and she all of a sudden recognizes what that means, and what he thinks of her. And uh, she says this to her teacher, because he asked her, who are you? She said, I don't know, before she knew Jesus. She could not tell him who she was. But after she came to know Jesus, then she told him this. She said, I'm created by God. He designed me, so I am not a mistake awesome is that? His son died for me just so I could be forgiven. That's you. That's you. He died for you. He picked me to be his own. So I'm chosen. You are chosen by the King of Kings. And then she went on to say, he redeemed me. You know what that means? So I am wanted Say that. So I am wanted. I am wanted. He showed me grace just so I can be saved. He has a future for me because he loves me. I am a child of God. Say that with me. I am a child of God. Isn't that awesome? You're a child of the most high, almighty wonderful King of Kings, Almighty Father, Alpha and Omega. I could go on and on, right, Julie? <laughs> he is so good, and he has picked you the same way, which is super special, and I wanted you to remember that, because sometimes we need reminded of those things when we're swirling around in some of this stuff, especially stuff that's going on now. We have a reason to have joy, even though it's hard. We were going through a real tough season as our family, but oh my goodness, I'm a child of God. So wanted you to be able to be reminded of that this morning.
Man, I love loving on him. You said I love you, Jesus, this morning. I woke up this morning. I said, good morning, Jesus. Thank you so much for today. Thank you that I get to take another breath and walk this road with you. And he pushes back darkness. Have you ever tried to do that? <laughs> I, I, no, I can't push back darkness. But I can if he's there with me. It's pretty awesome that he does that.
If anybody needs to sit down, you can. We're going to sing just another wonderful song on uh, Jesus. These lyrics are, are old but good. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchased of God. Born of his spirit and washed in his blood. That's pretty powerful.
let's pray. Lord, you are our wonderful Savior. Ah, it is good to sing your praises. It is good, Lord, to hear from you. It's good, God, to be able to lift you up and, and say, God, you are our complete and utter answer for everything. God, today we have our focus. We want it to be renewed completely on you and who you are. We ask God today that you will come in a powerful way, Lord, maybe unexpected, maybe not even foreseen by many of us here, but God, we ask that your spirit will just so permeate this place, even now, God, that we do not and cannot leave this place without saying, wow, our God is a wonderful Savior. Wow, God showed up today, and may it not end here. May it just start here and spill out from this place into every place that we find ourselves. Lord, today, we just ask that you would speak to us in the way that only you can meet us at the point of our need, because God, only you know our true need. We pray these things, God, in your name and for your sake. And we love you, Lord, this day in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it's good to see you all here today. I, um, I also want to just uh, tell you uh, with our kids, uh, kids, you are dismissed to Children's Church. And, uh, and for the rest of you, um, you're going to have to just bear with me through a little technical difficulty. <laughs> well, I am glad to be back. What, we had a great vacation, and I heard you had some great speakers, those who spoke while I was gone. Scott did a great job, Pastor Scott and Eric with us. We thank God that we have good people that we can just rely on to, uh, to speak God's word, uh, even when the pastor's gone, maybe even uh, when uh, in the midst of, oh, whatever might be happening, in the midst of even this. <laughs> And I apologize that I'm having to do this right now. But for some reason, my computer just decided to have my notes on it, decided to just do its own thing. And uh, I will take care of that in just a moment. All right. Well, we thank God for technology sometimes. And uh, sometimes we, we curse it with the darkness. And uh, <laughs> uh, as we left on uh, Saturday before uh, two Sundays ago to head on our vacation, we went to Florida. And uh, just a day before we left or so, Jackie came to me and she said, Matt, she said, uh, how long is this trip going to take? And I said, well, you know, uh, it'd probably be with stops and all. It's probably going to take around 30 hours. And we have two days to get there uh, to, to, you know, for our reservations at the hotel. And, and uh, she's, I thought Jackie was going to cry right then and there. 30 hours, 15 hours each day. And I, she got down and, and she started looking on Frontier.com. She said, I think there's some good deals. Maybe we can find something. Nope, nothing even coming close to where we were going. And uh, at least for the good deals that were out there. And so we got in the car and, and I don't mind the drive, but it's good time for me to clear my head and to think. But, uh, but it was long. We left 6 o'clock in the morning and we're heading down 24, heading out east, going around uh, Colorado Springs. 
And as you go around that way, it takes you uh, past one of our sister churches there, uh, Colorado Springs First Church of the Nazarene. And, and there behind that, uh, that church is, uh, or used to be Nazarene Bible College. And that's where I received a, a couple degrees. And I walked that campus and I, I have great memories. I love the staff and the, and the people there. And, and I knew that the, uh, the campus had been sold. It's gone completely online. I knew the campus had been sold a couple years ago. And, but it was the first time as the sun was rising just on the horizon that I could see the silhouettes of houses where that institution was that I went to school in years ago. <laughs> and I, I, I have to tell you, I, it was a little unsettling. It's kind of sad. I was, I was, I just something inside of me is here we are heading out, and it just something inside. I was like, ah, oh. because it was like someone took my memories. Someone took the place that I loved, and, and now they're, they bulldozed it, and, and it, it's, it's houses now for people to move in, and there's nothing wrong with that. And, and I understand, you know, that they were down to, I think, 70 students on campus and hundreds, though, or if not more, online. They had to do something. I get it. But, but I struggled because, again, I, it was like a part of me had been taken away. We got there to Florida, and we met with some friends uh, that I used to be their pastor in Castle Rock. They moved to a town called Port Orange. We met with them while we were there, and then we met with some of the district leaders there in, uh, in Florida. Had a good time. You're going to meet one of them. His name is Dave Ramsey. He's coming next month, and, and uh, not the Dave Ramsey, a different one. Uh, just, just as good, though. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we, we, we sat there. One of the guys that I met with from the district, he said, in the midst of our time together, he said, Matt, he said, I, and he's in his mid-70s probably now, been a strong, influential leader in the Church of the Nazarene, and he said, Matt, I'm just struggling with recognizing my own church. I'm struggling with recognizing my own country. I, I, it's as if, he said, I feel sometimes like I'm a stranger in a strange land. <laughs> and, and he was talking to me about these things, and, and you could just tell, I mean, it was just, it, he wasn't angry or anything. He just was, it was just heavy. It was like somebody had taken his memories and just ripped them away. There was a day when, you know, he said you could assume some things about the belief system within our country or our churches. Or He said it's changing. There at Nazarene Bible College, they saw changes happening years and years ago, that things were changing and things were different. And, and though I can sometimes go back in my mind and say, you know, things were much better when I went there. Because I had to give up everything and we had to, you know, drop all the things and drop my dreams and drop what we were doing in the directions that I thought I was going to go in my life. Following that calling, get into my old 1979 Dodge pickup truck, 
go across Kansas with no air conditioning in the middle of summer and get in there not knowing what we're going to do. And Jackie had some family, you know, that we stayed with in, in Colorado Springs, and that was good. But, but we had to take that step of faith to go there. Now you can just click online. I mean, that's not real. But thankfully, Nazarene Bible College, they were one of the early adopters, and they, to online education now, it's no big thing at all. Kids are going to high school during this pandemic and everything else online. And, but then it was brand new. People thought they were crazy. But thank God for wise leaders who, who were looking for answers. How are we going to change things here to keep this this institution competitive and continue to reach people right where they're at. You see, wise leaders look for answers. Wise leaders look for answers while everyone else, or at least, at least most everyone else, is pointing fingers. Uh, it's not taking away the fact that, man, it's a struggle. Change and the things that we're seeing happen in, in our world, the things that are going on around us, it's, it's a struggle. Sometimes it feels like they're ripping our heart out. They're taking our memories and just kind of throwing them to the side. But here's the thing, folks. People who are leaders, leaders in their homes, leaders in their business, I'm not talking about your position. I'm talking about God has called you to take the lead wherever you are for him. They look for answers. Almost everyone else is pointing fingers. My first church there in that little town of Goodland, Kansas, got there, and I mean right after I got there. My first church, fresh out of school, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and I got there, and... I was told that they're having a Western, holding, Western Kansas Holiness Crusade. Uh, I'll explain that some other time. But they, <laughs> they were having this crusade, and, and our general superintendent, one of our general superintendents, whose name is Jim Deal, he actually still lives up in, in, uh, in the Denver area. And Dr. Deal, it's going to be here, Pastor Matt, and uh, are you ready? I, I guess so. I was shaking in my boots. I mean, here I was, uh, the lowest on the totem pole, and I'm about to host the guy that's the highest on the totem pole, and I'm thinking to myself, what in the world? I, I was scared to death. I don't know what I was going to do. Here's this amazing individual, and I'd heard him preach. I loved it. He had this booming voice, and he would talk like, you know, just this great speaker and communicator. Okay, well, here he came. And he was coming in, and he kind of had like an entourage with him. They brought him in just swiftly into, into the service, and he said hello to me, shook my hand, so kind, he's so humble. Um, and, and so uh, he preached, and it was an amazing service. And at the end of the service, he'd asked if anyone wanted to come up, and he was going to anoint them with oil. And he looked over at me, and he said, Pastor Matt, I just need you to get me some anointing oil. And I was like, okay. I didn't know much about where anything was at that time because I just got there, but I knew where the kitchen was. And so I went for the kitchen, and one of the board members went with me. His name was John. John was back there with me, and I, I, I said, John, we need some anointing oil. I said, do you have, 
Oh, no, I, we don't have, I don't know, the stewards should be doing it. And, you know, with the, the trustees, they don't do anything. And he was upset and he was angry and he talked about the previous pastor. And the, I mean, it was about all these different things. They should, and I was like, I don't care about all of that. Here's what I want. I don't care if it's motor oil. We need oil. <laughs> he kind of got himself straightened up and, and we couldn't, I, I, we looked everywhere. He said, Matt, there's not. There's not. I looked into the one cabinet, and I found some lemon juice. And I thought, oh, you know, that kind of looks a little bit like oil. So I put it into a little glass, and here I went to Dr. Deal with my lemon juice. He'd been praying this whole time, and he was up there, and he, everybody had their eyes closed, and he kind of just dipped his fingers in there, and he went like this. He looked over at me, and I was like, <laughs> and he anointed them, and they received the, 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 the gift of God. It was a good thing. They were a little bit of a sour Christian the rest of their time, but they were good. And, and, and I tell you, in every, almost every church I've been at, I've had Dr. Dio come and speak. And, and I, last time, where I was in Kansas, uh, before I came here, we talked about that. We just laughed and laughed. But you know what? The power was not in the lemon juice or in the oil. The power was in Jesus. And when he prayed the powerful prayer of Jesus over that person, things changed in that individual's life. Oh, it was good. But you know, I found myself right then. Man, I mean, I'm, it's just a small church. It's just... but. I realized right off the bat, if I'm going to lead here, I've got to start looking for answers instead of joining John over here talking about how many people around here have not been doing their job. I don't care about that. We need oil. Oh, <laughs> oh I, we, we spent our time at Disney over the, the week, and, and uh, we were there for a few days, and Enjoyed just reading history and, and re reading about and seeing about how Walt Disney, the, the Walt Disney, in the early part of the 20th century, tried to get things started, couldn't get things going, thought he got this great deal for his, what they called, laughograms. They did these little short, little short film clips. And he got this deal with this New York company. And that New York company took his money and took the rights to a lot of his, what he was doing. And then they were a fraud. They were a scam. They cheated him. He went bankrupt. He ended up going back from Kansas City to his parents' farm. And he went there, and they, they loved on him. And, 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 and they, he had to make a decision then. Am I going to be pointing fingers at all the people who have done me wrong? Or am I going to find the answer to this situation? And his parents, they believed in him so much, they gave him some money. His brother gave him some money. He went to Southern California to, to find a way to make this work. And the rest, as they say, is history. Uh, in 1928, he came out with that most iconic character, Mickey Mouse. And it was those hard times, though, that said, he said, they, they helped me learn this, how to fail forward. How to fail forward. How to, when I know that things are not going well, when I'm, when I'm hurting, when things are not right, how to fail forward. And so he began to become known for saying this statement, keep moving forward. 
keep moving. When things are going wrong around you, when everyone else is pointing fingers, when things just don't seem right, when you know that things are not the way that God intended them to keep moving forward in Jesus Christ. Hard times, church. Unsettling events. Things that make you feel like you're a stranger in a strange land. <laughs> Years like 2020. They're the stuff that make most people just want to point fingers and cast blame. But not for followers of Jesus. Amen. Not for followers of Jesus. We don't have time to point fingers. We don't have time to blame others. We don't have time to spread gossip, wring our hands, because we are too busy finding the answers in Jesus to give a rip about what the answers the world wants to give to us. Amen. That's good preaching, whatever you think. I don't care what CNN, I don't care what their opinion is. I don't care what the speaker is saying. I don't care what Fox News is pointing at. I don't care if the NRA went bankrupt. I don't care what TV, that TV evangelist who's stepping off of his $54 million jet. I don't care about how he's trying to justify his lavish lifestyle. I don't care about what Nancy Pelosi says. I don't care about what Donald Trump says. I don't care about what Joe Biden says. Here's what I care about. I'm caring about finding the answers in Jesus Christ for me today. Amen. Don't hear what I'm not saying, church. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be active as Christians in these spheres of life. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that our source should look different than the sources that the world looks to for our answers. In unsettling days, we have to have an unwavering focus on the unfaltering answer found in our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. That is where the answer still is today. So that's my introduction. John chapter 3. You can turn there if you want to, but if not, I'm going to have the up there if I can. Yeah, thank you. You're, you're ahead of me. Good job. Hey, John chapter 3, there was a Pharisee. This Pharisee, his name was Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was quite an individual from an elite group, really in his day, the cream of the crop. But this Pharisee who was named Nicodemus, he was also a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus, it says there, at night, and he said, Rabbi, you know, he, he knew something was different about Jesus. He knew the claims that Jesus was making. He wasn't quite ready to call him Messiah or Savior, but he knew that there was something about him, so he did call him Rabbi. We know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Nicodemus was recognizing something in Jesus. Something a little different. He, he recognized something there. 
And so he's making, basically just making that confession. I'm seeing something here. And Jesus goes right to the heart of the situation. I mean, he just cuts to the quick. He says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Basically, what Jesus is saying here, Nicodemus, you're so close. As a matter of fact, you don't even realize it right now, Nicodemus, but you're looking into the face of your answer. You're looking into the face of the kingdom, and you don't even realize it yet, but you're so close. You see, Nicodemus, he was a Pharisee, and, and, and when you're a boy and you grow up into a Pharisee's home, when you're two years old, they will take a scroll. It's the law. Because you see, for them, the law is everything. The law is what is going to save Israel. The law is what's going to take care of us. So everything is found in its completion in the law for a Pharisee. So, so they, they would take the scroll of the law, and, and they would take a little bit of honey. And when their boy was two years old, they would put just a tiny bit of it on that scroll and they would tell him, now I want you to lick this scroll. They did that so that his earliest memory would be, how sweet are your words to my taste? Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. They wanted him to remember that psalm from you know, that 119th chapter. And at four years old, he would start memorizing the book of Leviticus. Think about that. At four years old... By 12 years old, he would have memorized Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. As a teenager, he memorized the prophets, and then he memorized the Psalms. And if you chose to become a Pharisee, you had to stand up before your community, before the whole of the people of Israel, and say to them publicly that you promise to take the yoke of the Torah upon you. They vowed to yoke themselves to the law of God. They, were, they kept hours of prayer. They, they kept them wherever they were. I mean, whether it was in the temple, the marketplace, on the street corner, wherever they found this, was, they would fast twice a week. They didn't just tithe of their money. They would tithe of everything. I mean, right down to their spices and their herbs. I mean, they would give a tenth of everything to God. And I share this to say that Nicodemus, he was in an elite group. I mean, think about that. He was in an, he was the cream of the crop. And, 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 and he, would, he had been studying since he was two years old. And not as if that was enough, but it also tells us in Scripture, it tells us that he, he was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And what that meant was that he was a member of what was the Jewish court system. At that time, it was called the Sanhedrin. I mean, he, so he was in the cream of the crop, and then, and then a step above. He was not only a part of the group who claimed to have all the answers. He's not only a part of the group who would, claim, who would not only claim that, but they'd also point out all the flaws in you <laughs> and me. But he was also in an official capacity to not only point out your shortcomings, but to also make legal rulings on your shortcomings, if need be. He was a part of the group known to have all 
the answers. I mean, and, and it was such an elite and such a high-respected uh, occupation, you would say, that people who didn't feel a calling from God, they didn't really give a rip about God. They just, they just wanted the influence. They wanted the power. They wanted to have some money. And they would do this, and they would find their identity and how good they were. Nicodemus, I believe, was one of the ones, though, who was in it for the right reasons. I really believe that Nicodemus wanted to know God. And, and here comes this Jesus who is undermining the answers that he was trained and taught and groomed to give since he was just a little child. I mean, here's this Jesus who's saying, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Son of God. Oh, that temple that you like to go to, I'm going to destroy it. I'm going to rebuild it in three days. Here's what's going to happen with that. You are going to be my temples. And they're thinking, what in the this guy is crazy. He's claimed to be the Son of God give salvation he's healing the sick he's giving hope to the least and the lost he, he's shaking the foundations of the religious structure that Nicodemus's life was built on can you imagine it was as if someone was just ripping away all that he thought his foundations were built upon I've heard many call Nicodemus a coward, a spineless character shifting in the shadows of night to call on Jesus. But I'm going to tell you, I think that Nicodemus was courageous. I mean, here was this guy. He had everything to lose, but he was willing. You know, he, he was taking some precautions, but he wanted to meet with Jesus somehow. When everyone else was pointing fingers... Hey, how are you going to get rid of this Jesus character? Hey, how are you going to take care of and, and, and move him off of the stage? I'm tired of hearing from him. When everyone else is pointing fingers and blaming and, and, and shouting accusations and making assumptions, Nicodemus had the courage to sit down and seek the answer in Jesus Christ. The answer. There's a man who walking down this sidewalk one day as he's walking down the sidewalk there's a little shaggy dog that was kind of on the side of the sidewalk there laying down he, he's kind of cute he, the man looked over and there's this boy and he says boy hey uh, nice dog I, I, there does your dog bite and the boy looks at him and said no sir my dog doesn't bite so he stoops down to pet the dog, and that dog just chomps down on his hand. I mean, just boom. And he looks at the kid, and he says, oh, what's your, you just told me your dog didn't bite. He said, that's not my dog. <laughs> you will not get the true answers in life that you are looking for if you don't right, ask the right person. Did you hear me? You will not get the true answers in life that you are looking for if you don't ask the right person person if you want the truth you've got to ask the right person don't ask your mechanic about the lump growing on your neck don't ask your bartender for advice on how to stay sober don't ask your husband how you look in those jeans if you're looking for the truth the right way 
for the good life. Go to Jesus first. Ah, amen. Go to Jesus first. Let him guide you into paths that lead you into right living. This Pharisee named Nicodemus, he recognized something special about Jesus, something that was just setting him apart from the other, many other religious types that he had met. I believe that that spirit of God was just wooing him to Jesus. And, and so he's looking at him and thinking, this guy seems to possess a unique authority in everything that he did and everything that he said. So this zealous leader comes to Jesus and he makes this confession in verse 2. No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. It took courage. Yes, even in the darkness of night to say to Jesus, Jesus, you're rocking my world. I mean, things are just not the same since you've been here. I don't understand what's going on. Something's going on here. I can see God in it, but I'm just not quite seeing the whole picture yet. And Nicodemus stands out because he humbly admits in this exchange that with all the information with all the authority at his disposal, with all the years of training, with all of the you know, equivalent of degrees that he had at that time, with all the books and the... He doesn't know the answer. But he was wise enough to go to the one who was and still is the answer today. Even as a Pharisee, he stood out because he was sensitive enough, sensitive enough to seek out the answers he could see in Jesus Christ. Church, I, I need you to listen to me this morning. Listen to this. In a world where you can get 30 million answers to a question on Google in a split second, the right place to go for the answer is still Jesus Christ. Did you hear me? In a world where you can get online and you can look up anything, you can find somebody who's going to agree with whatever you want to say, even in the Bible. But I tell you what, even with all of that at your disposal, there's still the right place to go today is Jesus and Jesus alone. Only him. You know Pharisees today. I know you do. You know someone, you can think, you're probably thinking of them right now. You might have been thinking of them when I first started. <laughs> someone who's always believes they're right. Folks, you know, like that, they're, they're tough to be around. They're tough to be friends with. They can't even laugh at themselves because they take themselves way too seriously. But another thing I've noticed about people like that is that they, they can't see any other perspective except for their own. They don't care about being on God's side because they're convinced that God is more concerned about being on their side. They think they're enlightened, but they're so narrow-minded. I mean, you ever met somebody like that? Just so narrow-minded, they could look through a keyhole with both eyes. I mean, yeah, there's people like that out there. Maybe God is opening your eyes to the possibility that you've been trying to find the answer from a, a plethora of sources, but not Jesus. This is important, church, because if we are relying, church, 
on any other source than Jesus, our world is going to miss the opportunity to see him because they are not seeing him in you and me. I remember studying about the Great Depression when I was in school. Going home, and we had some acreage, and my grandmother lived on a home on our acreage with us, uh, on a separate home, but I would stop by and see her. And this day, I was excited because I thought, I remember my grandmother, she lived through the Depression. I can ask her some of these things. People jumping out of windows, stock markets crashing, all the craziness that I was reading about. And, and so I went to her, and I was excited to ask her. And I was like, Grandma, what was it like to live through the Depression? And she just smiled and said, well, for our farm and family in the mountains of North Carolina, nothing changed. <laughs> We didn't know the difference. He said, hey, we worked on the farm. We, we went to church. We loved God. We loved our neighbors. It was, it was the same as it always had been. She says, as a matter of fact, we didn't even know about the Great Depression until it was half over. <laughs> she said, it, it's interesting. And I was you know, wanting to hear these stories of people jumping out of silos or something, you know. But she just, no big difference. But she would talk about how her father was grounded in God. How he put his family first and then and his church and his love for others. And it was study. It didn't matter if there was a depression or not. I've all but quit Facebook. I, I was on there not long ago. I thought, man, maybe I'll start this up again. And then I see I have a list of you know, people wanting to be my friend. Oh, I don't want them to think I don't like them. Click, 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 click. And then I, I put the, you know, try to, I, I see, no, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't watch the news much. Often I'll just read the headlines. I started doing that not long before I moved here, as a matter of fact. And I'm going to tell you that what I found is that when I placed more of my focus on Jesus than I did on the news, I was a little happier. <laughs> Imagine that. Uh, yeah, never too late to teach an old dog new tricks. I knew that some politician would mock me. Say, you're just clinging to God, but I'm okay with that because the answer that I have found in Jesus has outlived their political structure. It's outlived empires. It's outlived pandemics. It's outlived tsunamis and earthquakes. The one who my foundation is in keeps me going no matter what. He is the rock of ages. Yes, our God, uh, he's bigger than all these things. We let shake our foundations. I've decided I'm going to let my faith in Jesus influence the way I see the world around me. Because for far too long, uh, I've seen, even in my own life, that the culture around me has influenced my faith in Jesus. No more. <laughs> uh, years ago, I made that decision to say, no, the culture is not going to define who I am. 
years ago, I decided, you know, I'm not going to define, define my identity in this or in that or in what I do in the eyes of people around me. I will find my identity in Jesus Christ and in him alone. I love Jesus' plan. I mean, as they're going back and forth, Nicodemus and Jesus, they're talking about things and jesus is trying to explain to him you got to be born again you know and he's like you know i can't go back into my mother's womb are you crazy this isn't going to happen i can't be born again and jesus reveals to him you're so religious and you know so much and yet you know so little and he's like you know the spirit is like the wind and i mean you don't know where it's coming or where it's going and you're going to have to begin basically he's speaking to nicodemus you're going to have to begin to find the answer in the right place And then we get to this verse of 16. And Jesus reveals this plan, this answer. And he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Huh. You wonder where the answer has been. Nicodemus, you're, you're wondering where the answer is for all these things. It's standing right in front of you. I ask you today, church, where are you getting your answers? We were walking around our hotel there in the warmth of the Florida sun and in t-shirts, enjoying the, actually that day I think it was actually kind of on the cool side, we were in sweatshirts. <laughs> but we were enjoying the beautiful day and the different flora and fauna, you know, just kind of looking at the sights around there and just, it was just a beautiful time. And, and I don't remember which one of us it was, but one of us happened to look up in the sky and we saw this beautiful, amazing sight in the sky. I, I, I almost was, I had a tear, you know, that come to my eyes. I mean, it, was just, it was just beautiful in the midst of this time where we were able to relax. And by the way, you need a Sabbath too, you know. Uh, when you get a Sabbath rest, I don't know about for you, but oftentimes it gives way to that rest. When I really take that rest, it gives me revelation. And whether you know it or not, it's good for you as a church. When your pastor, I don't care who they are, takes a Sabbath rest. I look up at this, almost like a revelation above me. And I find out later on, because I, I heard it from someone, that there have been riots at the Capitol that day chaos and shootings all kinds of things that were just uh, just hurt but in the midst of all of that as a matter of fact i i found out at the time that we were looking at this is about the time all that chaos was happening in washington dc i look and my family looks up above us and we see this sight i took a picture with my phone and, and here's this plane and but the first thing I see is Jesus. And, and the phrases were, you know, 
get Jesus. The next one was, he's starting the S there. Jesus saves. And I'm thinking to myself, as I'm looking at this site, man, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the reminder that as I muddle through at times the chaos and the muck and the mire, that you are right there with me, watching over, and the answer 2,000 years later, whoops, is still found in you, Jesus. Some people have said to me, well, pastor, you, you just believe that Jesus is going to change everything. Just someone gives their heart to Jesus, and, you know, and, and that's all it takes. They just need Jesus, and everything else is going to be all right, and I do believe that Jesus is the answer. And I do believe that Jesus can change everything. And I do believe that when I gave my heart to Jesus, not only did he renew me by my mind and my mind, but he also made me a new creation. I believe that he's powerful enough to make every life into a new creation. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what the sin is that you struggle with. I don't care if you feel like you need to come here and only come in when the, the, the lights are down and nobody else sees you. I don't care about that. Here's what I care about is that people begin to find the answer where the answer really is. Because yes, my Jesus is powerful enough to take whatever sin you're dealing with in your life to take the muck and the mire of this world and to turn it into a new, beautiful creation. If I didn't believe that, I'm up here wasting my time. If I didn't know that that happened, I wouldn't have this energy and this conviction. But God, if he can do it with a punk like me, he can do it for anyone. Amen? There's that song that came out years ago. I think the guy who wrote it, his name was Andre Crouch. And he penned the words of the song and says, Jesus is the answer for the world today. questions in the corners of your mind, traces of discouragement, and peace you cannot find, reflections of the past seem to face you every day, but 
speaking to your heart, maybe calling you to a deeper walk, calling you to get a better focus. I want you to know that these altars are always open. There's nothing magic in that wood, but I tell you what, what is amazing is when you bow your heart and your knee to God, and He creates a new thing within you.
Father, we just come to you today. And we, we commit ourselves, Lord, to making you the focus of our answers. This week, we're going to do a better job. I'm going to do a better job of looking to you and looking to any other outlets or source. And Lord, we ask for the power of your Holy Spirit to help just continue to refocus, to pray, to take us. And, and as each one of us is in a, a state of construction, we're all, we're all in progress, God. But God, we put our trust in you. And that day when we finally do see you face to face, I don't want to be a stranger, Lord. want the answer to have been the same here that I was looking at and putting my faith in as it will be when I see you face to face. Lord, today, bring about a new creation. Push aside the muck and the mire. Make our paths straight make our foundation firm and Lord when there seems to be no other answers Lord I pray that we will be happy and blessed because our answer hasn't changed it's still you we pray these things God and I pray your great power upon your people here today I pray, God, that they will know you in strength and in fullness, God, that, that things will happen in their lives that are beyond what they could ever express or imagine right now. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we do it all in your name, Jesus. We pray this in your name, Jesus. And together, God's people say, amen. Amen. You glad you've been to church today? Amen. God has been good. He showed up in great ways. So glad you're here. I'd love to meet you if you're new here. I'll be over here off to the side, but, or if you just want to talk. Um, well, God bless you, and we'll talk to you again here soon.